You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbing and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me as always in the kitchen studio is my co-host Matt Smith. Hello. Hello. And how is Matt on this fine Friday evening? Fine Friday evening. Are you, so, are you somewhere else different to where I, I am? I've got I mean, beer honestly, goggles on. You've got, oh, I don't know, mm. as I see, it's after the yard arm, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. We, we, we have had some pretty grotty weather yes. in the UK over the last few days. So well, yeah, today especially. I've never been so wet, fueling up coaches and things like that. It's uh, yeah. nothing short of horrible, frankly. Don't you have a rain jacket to wear when you're doing that? Yes, yes, but yeah. unfortunately when it is persisting as much as it has been, it doesn't uh, take long before it penetrates Ooh. said waterproof, and uh, I end up with a cold net but not that anyone particularly cares about that so um <laughs> oh, we care so, well indeed it is it, 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 that's very kind we of don't want to see you see you soaking wet yeah <laughs> indeed uh, so yes back from all back from our holidays yeah we're now. all back yeah everyone's back even pip's back even from his holiday back, yes. but then pip has a holiday every week <gasps> or every day <laughs> you can't say <laughs> he does you can't say that it's horrible Anyone who follows Pip on his uh, on on Facebook on the Plane Safety Podcast will know that Pip is in he's in far flung destinations across Europe every day. Yeah, but that's his job. It's a bit like what a job. It's a bit like telling off one of these um, holiday reps because they're in a pop, posh place riding <laughs> around all the time. That's hardly fair. What and it's not exactly the glamorous life that everybody makes it out to be. I know. It? I actually just listened to one of uh, uh, Pip the, well, Pip's last uh, latest mm. show, and um, I remember his. So he had some feedback on there from one of the listeners of his show, saying mm. that um, you know they are a bit sort of um, upset that he keeps posting all these wonderful <laughs> pictures of where he is and the pools and the spas but they, and but the. That's, he's got to. It's all part of. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Poor Pip. We're being mean to him. To be fair, he's promoting the job as a pilot as being wonderful, a bit glamorous, a glamorous. Yeah. Job, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the date today is the 16th of October. It's uh, just gone six o'clock. It's five, well, seven minutes past six. Yes, we're a bit late starting. A bit late starting. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've got uh, some people in the chat room. Uh, we've got, uh, who we got? We've got Matty Fabs in the chat room. Uh, we've got Pilot Pip is in the chat room. <laughs> He's going to listen to his own segment later. Is he? Oh. Uh, we've got Philip Davis in the chat room. Masha Gertz is in the chat room. We've got, oh, scrolling down here, Dan Hannington's in the chat room. Yay. Hello, Dan. Nice to see you in the, in the chat room. Uh, scrolling down. There we go. Uh, yeah, and that's at the moment. That's uh, that's our uh, listeners in the uh, chat room for the uh, for the episode. We'll probably get some more. Um, for those of you who are watching Pilot Pips uh, live broadcast last night, uh, me and me and Matty Fab are in the Pilot, chat room. Pilot, uh, sorry, Pilot Pip. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Captain Jeff. Yes. Um, well, Pip was in there. Uh, but we were, uh, Captain Jeff's uh, live show yesterday. Me, mm -hmm. me and Matty Fab were in the chat room with with uh, Captain Jeff until mm -hmm. two o'clock this morning. Good heavens! Which was nice. <laughs> um, Yes, I, I, I'm afraid I was catching Z's because I'm a, I'm a little bit sleep deprived since, since coming back from holiday. So no. I've been frantically trying to. It's jet lag. What was that? I don't know what that was. It, it, it sounds like somebody just pressed the, 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 the call the, button. The, the call button on. The <laughs> so on the subject of uh, uh, celebrations, oh, yes. uh, we have got some news mm. about a certain listener yes. who is in the chat room at the moment, and. All right, I'll, I'll do it publicly. Oh, you're, cu you're covering half of your face up by way oh, you've got sorry. your hat. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. All right, there we go. 
<laughs> yeah, we have got we have got some uh, we have got some celebratory stuff uh, yeah. uh, to to do um, because uh, someone in the chat room yes. um, has got his PPL license. Ooh, get here! Uh, so we'd like to congratulate uh, from us here at the Plain Talking UK Studios, Matty Fab, yeah. on getting his PPL. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea we had so many people in the studio. I know, I know. <laughs> no, fantastic round of applause there. Like, oh, so well, well, no, well done, Matt. Yeah, yeah well, well done, Matty Fab, for mm. uh, for obtaining your PPL license. I am. Uh, I've managed to get Matty Fab's uh, telephone number. So I, yeah, I'm going that to, continuous stalking again. I'm going to be. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> continuously speaking to Matty Fab okay, now. Yes. Uh, to get all the ins and outs of how to pass my NAV exam. Matt, you are going to regret that so uh, much. The worst thing I ever did was give Carl my mobile number, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. shall we, uh, shall we um, focus on the task at hand? Yeah. We, it um, is episode number 82, mm. and uh, as Carlos said, it's now ten past six. It's the 16th of October 2015. It's another live show. So if you're ready, Carl, shall we, uh, shall we do some news? Yes, we're going to start the show then, as we do each week when I run down of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if everyone's ready, including yeah. Matt, woohoo! Let's, let's go. go. So kicking off this week's first news story on the Independent website and the headline non-stop flight from UK to Australia could happen within two years, says Qantas. So Qantas plans uh, to pull off the first non-stop journeys using the latest Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners. Uh, they're going to fly the service between London and Perth. Um, so currently... Um, uh, the flights you have to sort of do little bits of legs and stuff here and stop here and there and it's it's quite a long winded sort of journey um, but 18 hours aloft covering more than 9,000 miles and crossing eight time zones uh, not an endurance test for air force personnel <laughs> but the future longest commercial flight in the world intended to start within two years so Qantas plans to connect the UK non-stop with Australia by 2017 wow. using the latest Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner to fly between London and Perth. The airline's chief executive, Alan Joyce, told Air Transport World that the new aircraft, um, uh, the 787-9, opens up direct service from Australia to Europe for the first time and indicated that a flight from Heathrow to the Western Australia capital would be the obvious choice. Uh, in recent years, Qantas has cut back its previously extensive European network, including uh, a Heathrow-Perth route that stopped en route in Asia to refuel. It's believed that the Australian airline has leased slots at Heathrow to BA, which could be reclaimed for the new service. Qantas currently flies daily from Heathrow to Melbourne and Sydney, both via Dubai, and the new London-Perth route would complement these links. The ideal timing would be an earlier uh, evening of departure from Perth, arriving around noon the next day in London, allowing plenty of time for connections at either end. The return flight would take off at Heathrow around the plate 2pm uh, in the afternoon, uh, arriving late afternoon the next day in Perth. Two pairs of pilots would be required for the flight, as well as extra cabin crew. The 787 would be fitted with a crew rest area above the passenger cabin. Uh, the Australian airline holds the current world record 
uh, for the longest flight with its daily Dallas-Fort Worth to Sydney service. The 8,579-mile trip takes 17 hours. Emirates plans to fly even further from February next year with a Dubai to Panama City service covering 8,590 miles. Wow. The London-Perth connection would prove navigationally challenging as well, involving diversions from the most direct route, which passes over Crimea, currently off-limits to Western aircraft, after last year's shooting down of Malaysian Airlines Flight MH17. Uh, The direct track also passes over the politically complex Caucasus and the Iranian city of Tabriz, before flying along India's western seaboard and over Sri Lanka to begin the Indian Ocean crossing. Concerns have also been raised about the need for diversionary airports in Western Australia in case Perth is closed mm. because of a storm. The nearest full-service international airport is Adelaide, a further 1,300 miles or two and a half hours flying time. So there we go. Um, you sort of forget how big... I mean, it's, I mean Australia is, as, as a country is absolutely, ridiculously, hugely big, isn't it? Mm. You, you, you just can't uh, contemplate how huge... the the, the the island is, I, isn't it? I definitely think that this would this would be a hugely popular route because at the mm. moment, you know, there's a lot of people, including family members of mine, mm. who fly to Australia yeah. um, to see um, to see family, mm. and you know, to do it now, it's like we say, we have to stop, refuel, and then yeah. you know, it's it's a long, well, like long when I, journey. When I, when I went to New Zealand, um, we had to have a lay, layover in um, in Kuala Lumpur again for similar reasons because it you just you know you couldn't go direct. At the time, but um, well, yes, it's um, it's uh, exciting times. Mm, exciting definitely. times. Anyway, on to the next, next story. story. This is on the Mail Online, and um, it's a rather unusual headline. It says, "I've got a moustache; he hasn't." <laughs> British holidaymaker, fifty-nine, boards plane at Stansted Airport with his fifteen-year-old son's passport. That's slightly worrying. Hmm. Uh, a British holidaymaker claims he was able to breeze through airport security checkpoints in London and Greece while using a passport that belongs to his teenage son. Greg Sheen, 59, said no one stopped him before he boarded a plane at Stansted Airport, even though he looks nothing like the 15-year-old pictured on the passport and the teenager's date of birth is listed in the document. Mr Sheen from Formbridge in Hampshire... Fordingbridge, sorry, in Hampshire, said that he mistakenly brought his son William's passport to Stansted instead of his own, but decided to try his luck to avoid missing his flight to the Greek holiday island, where thousands of refugees have landed after fleeing war and persecution. Um, Mr Sheen, uh, who was flying with Ryanair, (laughs) said uh, his experience raises serious questions about airport security and the thoroughness of passport checks. The single dad who works as an undertaker told the Daily Star, oh dear, I'm immediately nervous when you hear the word that, (laughs) it's obvious we don't look like each other. He looks like a small boy in his photo. I'm balding and he has a full head of hair. I've got a moustache. He hasn't. Mr Sheen told the newspaper he never should have been allowed out of England on his way to Kos, where he went on holiday with his 21-year-old daughter. He added, with all this ISIS stuff, it's very concerning if they're not checking passports properly. Mr Sheen said no one caught on until airline workers in Kos noticed that he was travelling with the wrong passport and they questioned how he was able to fly out of the UK in the first place. He, ter- he was turned away and forced to travel to Rhodes where he bought a temporary passport that allowed him to fly home on the following day. 
A Stansted Airport spokesman told Mail Online Travel that it is the responsibility of airlines and border control at the destination to check passengers' passports. He said staff at Stansted security checkpoints are required to confirm that passengers have a valid boarding pass before they proceed to the gate. A Ryanair spokeswoman said that the budget airline has no comment to make on this case adding this is a matter for the Greek authorities who check all UK passports on arrival to cost. But no, that's not true, is it? Really? Well, no, it's out out and out not true. You know, one of the conditions as you leave... Ryanair should have been checking the the validity of his bar, of his of his. Well, they, they they check them before you go through the gate before you before you board the. But aircraft. they obviously haven't done this. Mm. This is the issue, isn't it? Mm. They haven't done those those checks. It's um it's uh, not. I good, thought that really. actually when we flew from um, when we flew from Gatwick mm. a few weeks back, yeah. they, I thought they were very thorough mm. when we. Flew, oh, they, we they were um, mm. flying out of Menorca. I mean, it, it was it was very much. Very much the same. In fact, um, the lady who was maybe it's just down to the vig- how vigilant the uh, the operator at the gate was. But uh, whether it made a difference in our case, because it, it wasn't actually EasyJet staff who was checking our pass mm. um, when we went through the gate uh, at Menorca Airport. It was actually airport staff, and you know perhaps Ryanair staff, and maybe I'll, I'll mention EasyJet as well because um, you know they may be the same. A little bit um, just in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, Pips has put uh, about the last with the story we were just on here. Yeah. Um, Pip apparently genuinely uh, went through Miami Airport with his wife's passport. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he does he look like his wife then? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Pip. Pip, what are you like, <laughs> honestly? Mind you, I do actually. I've got a confession to make. Oh, hello. And, uh, well, like, I do. It? I do like a confession. I know. I know. Here I, you go. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah, you sit <laughs> um, many, many moons ago, mm. um, I was looking after a friend of mine's house. Right. And uh, he, um, he, he, his passport was 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 in his house on the side. Right. And um, he was away the way for the weekend mm. locally. Yeah. And. Um, I got. I decided to draw a moustache and a beard on his uh, passport, on his what? photo, and um, <laughs> I didn't realise. But he was actually uh, going on holiday um, the following week, right? And um, only across to Holland, but obviously you still need your passport yeah. and stuff. And um, he he wasn't too impressed when at the border control because he, I mean why he didn't check his passport before he went I don't know, but uh, he uh, got there and got was given a rather funny look by the passport control people because um, obviously his photo had been um, doctored, doctored and uh, he got a severe telling off. I can imagine that yeah. it was all your fault, and it was my fault, and I did feel <laughs> slightly guilty about it, but. No idea what that is. Okay, that's um <laughs> another thing. That's uh, someone calling. We'll yeah, get some service here. So. <laughs> absolutely. A cup of tea, please. A cup of tea, please. <laughs> so that's my story, anyway. It is, yes. and, I, and I choose to stand by it. Mm, I um, should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next story. Uh, moving on. Uh, on the Travel Weekly site, this one, and the headline: Airlines warned over danger from Russian air missiles. Now, those of you who've been obviously watching the news will know that the MH17 uh, they had the mm. um, reconstruction of the aircraft on yeah. a jig. Um, which obviously gave uh, all the information they needed to prove that it was a Buck missile that brought this aircraft down. But uh, the airlines have been warned uh, that flights over parts of the Middle East are in danger uh, from Russian cruise missiles. Mm. Numerous airlines, including Air France, British Airways, were sent safety bulletins by the International Civil Aviation Authority, ICAA, and uh, the European Aviation Safety Agency, uh, Agency, uh, EASA. 
the bulletin came after Russia began uh, began launching airstrikes into Syria, with several airlines which operate routes from Europe flying over strike areas such as Iran, Iraq and the Caspian Sea. Uh, Russia's missile routes from warships in the Caspian Sea are cutting across busy air corridors, um, the Telegraph reports. EASA said that before reaching Syria, such missiles are necessarily crossing the airspace above the Caspian Sea, Iraq and Iran, uh, below flight routes used by commercial aircraft. Air France began altering its routes um, the day before yesterday to avoid the area. Uh, BA declined to say on um, uh, this week whether it had changed routes for flights in the region, but did add that it would never fly in airspace unless they were satisfied that it was safe to do so. A spokesman said uh, that the security teams are aware of um, the bulletin at EASA and uh, they continue to liaise with all the relevant parts of the UK government on this issue. I mean, it's quite serious stuff here. You know, these, um, mm. you know, after what happened, obviously, to that aircraft and that, you know, you've got to worry when you're flying over troubled areas mm. around the world because there are so many troubled areas mm. in the world. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, no, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, Pip has the same um, situations when he's um, flying. Um, that he has to steer clear mm. of certain um, areas, flight paths yeah. Yeah, uh, across uh, across Europe. But uh, perhaps Pip uh, has another segment for Pip to do mm. <laughs> at some point. Stucking it up for him, poor, I know. poor guy. More homework for Pip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to yeah. the next story. Yeah, the next story. This is on the uh, I don't know e turbo. Is it e turbo news dot com? I think so, yeah. ET? Yeah, ETN is a global travel industry news. Mm. And uh, the headline is Heathrow launches dedicated car rental comparison service. Oh, that's uh, handy. He says. Hang on, he's, broke, he's broken the laptop. I've there broken the laptop. It's all gone horribly wrong. <laughs> you don't move that down. No, get off. It's, it, it's there, look. Oh, is it? There it is. There, it? Look, okay, there. yes. Oh. oh, you've just moved it again. <laughs> Hang on, where there are we? London, England, Heathrow has launched a dedicated online service to give passengers a convenient and transparent comparison of car hire options at Heathrow. The service was developed in partnership with online car hire comparison site uh, carrentals.co.uk, providing simple online access to a choice of, hire of car hire companies at the airport, including selection of premium and supercars. To access the service, customers simply log on to heathrow.com and enter their travel details to bring up the full range of prices, brands and vehicle options available. Customers will also be able to book for non-Heathrow car hire with other UK, European and global locations, giving passengers the ability to plan a seamless journey from departure through to arrival at their destination. Chris Annett, Heathrow's Commercial Passengers uh, Services Director, said Heathrow's goal is to provide the world's best airport service um, and we believe offering customers a transparent way of comparing car hire options is a key step towards delivering this ambition. The uh, carrentals.co.uk platform is based on a proven technology and has uh, been seamless to implement and operate across the Heathrow estate. Gareth Robinson, CEO of ASAP Ventures .co, um, Limited, sorry, owners of the carrentals.co.uk brand, added that the technology and commercial platform for the service is well uh, proven in the marketplace with over 1 million rentals to date. So it was a case of our developers customising the service to Heathrow's specific needs. 
We are delighted that Heathrow has chosen our solution and look forward to a long and successful partnership. In addition to being able to get the best available deal on car hire, Heathrow's car hire operators also provide a free secure transit service between terminals and the car rental offices. Passengers travelling from Terminal 5 are also able to opt for delivery of vehicles direct to the terminal with certain car rental operators. Uh, Future plans include the introduction of at-terminal car delivery across the Heathrow estate and the integration of the car hire comparison platform into the Heathrow app to give passengers even a greater convenience. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's, uh, as I suppose, because they're comparing multiple... um, Multiple operators, aren't they? So mm-hmm. it's not just a case that they've done a deal with some someone else. Like, like until recently, obviously Ryanair had a deal with, with Hertz, Hertz, wasn't it? Yeah, and, Hertz, and, yeah. I mean, I, three or four times I've hired a car from Hertz, uh, very successfully, I might add. And sometimes it is cheaper to go with a comparison site it is than, uh, yeah. than direct. Not yeah. all the time. It mm. does pay to um, to go direct as well. Well, and also let, let, let's not forget a lot of the um, uh, a lot of um, the. Uh, the airlines directly like EasyJet and Ryanair are trying to encourage you to actually use their websites directly for the better deals so I suppose it's just a case of do a bit of research I suppose yeah we always do Mm. Uh, just say uh, hello to everyone in the chat room uh, Mm. that you guys are still there it's gone all quiet in the chat room I'm kind of worried perhaps they're listening they might be sitting there listening listening, I know sorry yeah (laughs) Uh, we'll give a quick mention as well to uh, someone else who's listening in the uh, on the or watching by YouTube and hello to Jason Rowe. Hello, Rowey. Uh, give him a little wave. Hi, Rowey. He's uh, watching the show uh, in the comfort of his home. Excellent. Yeah, so hello to you. I work with him. Oh, do you? Yeah, he's a rum chap. Is he? Yeah. Right, he must be if he has to put up with you. I know. So he's unhinged most people. To Someone has. Yeah, well, yes. Mm. <laughs> so on to our next story mm. on the Get West London side. Get West London. Mm. That's another Get new you. one. We had that, we yeah. had that one before. And the headline, high-flying graduates welcomed by British Airways. Mm. Uh, So the search is on for the next group of undergraduates hoping to secure a place on one of the airline's five programs. Mm. And uh, this is all about uh, working for BA with their various different things they do. Mm. Um, So a new cohort of graduates have joined BA for a career where the sky really is the limit. Uh, A group of 51 boys and girls from uh, universities across the UK have been finding their feet since they were welcomed uh, to the airline early this month. Uh, Manish Sharma of Eastcote is on the operational research scheme and said that that he's really looking forward to starting his first placement at BA. Uh, They're currently on a one-week induction to the airline and immersing themselves in its culture and aspirations. Uh, the search uh, for the class of 2016 is already underway and there are 50 places available for undergraduates among the five programs on offer. Uh, leaders for business, analysts, engineering, cargo and operational research. Uh, Jordan Floyd, who's completing his first year on the leaders for the business program, added that there are few employers out there that provide such a broad range of opportunities and to travel the world and work face-to-face with customers and be trusted with real responsibilities uh, from the outset. Uh, Karen Hewitt, BA graduate and apprentice manager, said that she's very proud of the graduate scheme and the achievements of the past alumni. Uh, BA also offers routes to a uh, career with the airline through apprenticeships, uh, business placements and work experience. That's just something, I'd, oh man, I'd love to work with BA. 
Mm. Um, it'd be a bit of a journey from here to uh, Heathrow or Gatwick every <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, but, but it'd, be, it'd um, be well worth it. Yeah, <laughs> working with aircraft, I, but I think it'd be pretty cool. Definitely. And um, it must be quite a not good company at work for as well. I'd imagine BA is a fairly, um, you know, well, a good fairly employer. Uh, good employer. Because yeah. if you did, you watch that program that was on TV um, a few weeks back with Virgin. They followed the Virgin. No. Uh, airline no i didn't no and they followed some of the staff with virgin and what mm. they do and uh, even the guys in the cargo uh, area uh, you know look they actually enjoy themselves really yes goodness me so, um, that, yeah. that's a that's a terrifying oh, thing who who's going here who's going here matty fabs uh oh oh pips uh, pips got to go what? pips off Pilot pips off. Um, oh, the kids are home. He'll be back oh. in a bit. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll see in a bit, Pilot got Pip. To, got to take care of, of the children. That we, we've got a segment priority. from Pilot Pip coming up we later. Have, yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on to the next story. This is uh, bizjournals.com is the website. And the headline is Delta land slots at Heathrow or London Heathrow Airport. Uh, Delta Airlines um, acquired six slots at London Heathrow Airport. Uh, from its joint venture partners, Air France and KLM, the company reported in October. Uh, on the 14th of October, the Atlanta-based airline said it previously leased the slot pairs from Air France and KLM. By taking ownership of the slots, Delta will enhance its ability to provide long-term continuity and st- stability on the route network operated from London Heathrow with joint venture partner Virgin Atlantic Airways, Delta reported. Delta and Virgin jointly operate 23 non-stop flights between Heathrow and the United States today in a market that had previously been dominated by a single airline partnership, according to Delta. Delta announced previously uh, new summer 2016 routes from New York JFK to Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, Salt Lake City to London Heathrow, Throw and Raleigh to uh, Raleigh Durham, Durham, sorry, to Paris Charles de Gaulle. Uh, Delta employs around 80,000 people worldwide and operates a mainline fleet of more than 700 aircraft. Scary stuff. Yeah, especially with all these slots. There's a um, an airline mm. in, I think it was the US, yeah. that was in the news this week. They'd brought a couple of slots. I forget who it was now. Mm. Um, but th- th- these slots at these airports go for millions really? of dollars. Well, I, I, especially somewhere as big as uh, mm. like Heathrow. I mean, you'd imagine that there's pro- you know, they're, they're, they're not cheap. No, no. <laughs> I especially, would not. I mean, it, these airlines must know that these, these um, particular places are going to be profitable. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't be paying all this money for No, well, that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I can't really mention what uh, uh, Matty Fabs has said in the chat room because it's, um, it's about another, another uh, a chap who does a show, oh, really? whose airline we can't mention. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, next story. Um, oh, um, um, oh. The remote. Can I have the remote? Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, the remote. Oh, the remote. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I've got a Sorry, listeners. <laughs> is, is Matt trying to say things? Yeah, to well, I was gesturing, and it oh, was okay. just not going according to plan. So uh, the next story on Flight Global site, and the headline, uh, Singapore... Airlines, uh, long-range A350-900ULR. So Singapore Airlines has become uh, the launch customer for a longer-range version of the Airbus A350-9. You are a legend, man. <laughs> uh, Airbus is to modify the type's fuel system to produce the 
Dash 900 ULR, or Ultra Long Range, Ooh. which will have a higher maximum takeoff weight of 280 tonnes, as well as an aerodynamic mm. tweaks to stretch its range. Yeah. Uh, the fuel capacity will be raised by 17% to mm. 165,000 litres, uh, compared with the Dash 900. Uh, while Airbus has not disclosed a specific range figure for the Dash 900 ULR, it says that uh, Singapore Airlines will use the variant to operate an 8,700 nautical mile Singapore to New York service. Airbus adds that the aircraft will be able to fly for up to 19 hours. Wow. Um, that's a long while. Uh, our customers have been asking us to restart non-stop Singapore US flights and we're pleased that Airbus was able to offer the right aircraft to do so in a commercially viable manner, a manner says Singapore uh, Airlines Chief Goh Chun Pong. <laughs> the airline is to amend its previous order for 63 A350s to include seven with the long-range capabilities. Deliveries of these enhanced aircraft are going to start in 2018. Singapore Airlines is also adding another four Dash 900s to its order book, bringing its commitment to 67 of the Rolls-Royce Trent XWB-powered aircraft, says mm -hmm. the airframer. Mm -hmm. Operators will be able to reconfigure the long-range version back to the standard Dash 900 specification Airbus also adds. Singapore Airlines had previously operated non-stop services to New York as well as Los Angeles using an A340-500. Wow, that's uh, 19 hours. Mm. That is a heck of it a long while on an aircraft. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. They're going to have to um, offer some amazing in-flight entertainment service for, for that <laughs> yeah. kind of length of flight. Yeah, but um, I'm sure I haven't flown with Singapore Airlines, but mm. um, from what I've heard, their service and stuff on board is um, is really good. Yeah, yeah it's really, really, really good. Well, Masha Gertz in the chat room uh, just uh, she said that uh, we had the Finnair A350 come to Amsterdam last week quite the event oh, I'd love really? to have seen that yeah. um, would have liked to have had the uh, the old lens for that one um, I bet I'm, you would yeah. I'm sure Dan Hannington will have some photos of that at some point no doubt yeah um, he's been putting some very good pictures on uh, his um, he always does his Instagram page <laughs> he can't help he? himself well done Dan <laughs> Yes. So the next story. Yes, yes. The uh, next story, uh, and this is on um, Flight Global again, and it's a picture story. This one. It says American name replacing U.S. Airways as final day nears. U.S. Airways will all but slip into airline history when American Airlines combines the two carriers' reservation systems on the 17th of October. All of the combined carriers' flights will be operated by American and carry American flight numbers from Saturday, with the last U.S. Airways flight scheduled to land in Philadelphia from San Francisco a little after 6 a.m. local time that morning. Uh, signage at more than 200 airports already, says American, says Kerry, uh, who is the senior vice president of customer experience at the Fort Worth, Texas-based carrier. During a media call uh, earlier this week, most of the work left for the night of 16th of October will involve simply swapping the US Airways name for the American name. The night of the cutover or cutoff, uh, we will take down last US Airways signage and make sure the American brand is displayed prominently uh, everywhere in these terminals, she said. This process has already occurred at many of the former U.S. Airways gates and Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport, a hub for the combined carrier. It's all a bit sad, really, isn't it? Mm, that's a massive... I mean, the two 
two mm. big names that mm. we've we've all kind of grown up with American yeah. Airlines and um obviously you know with it united and stuff like that yeah. yeah these these are all big airlines but obviously yeah. all things have good things have to come to an end well i mean you know they said they'd been bought so i suppose it was inevitable really that at one day they were um it, it was going to go wasn't it but as you say it's uh it's a but u.s u.s airways mm-hmm. um obviously because they're being or the the night the US Airways name is obviously mm. going. Yeah. So that this will just be. I mean, I think this will make. I'm pretty sure this will make them the 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 biggest biggest airline, airline yeah, in, yeah. in the in the world. Yeah. Um, now that US surprised. are gone, mm. or been merged into American. But um, no, it's um, it's mm. big big news. Sad. Sad. Sad in lots of ways. I quite like the um, the US Airways Airways logo as well mm. on their aircraft. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, uh, next story on Flight Global. Uh, Eva Air to order up to 24787-10s and two 777-300ERs. So Taiwan's EVA Air, another uh, logo I like mm. on the aircraft, uh, plans to purchase up to 24 Boeing 787-10s and two additional 777-300ERs in a deal worth more than $8 billion at list prices. Wow. Um, I wonder if they've got a discount. <laughs> I should hope so. Uh, yes. That must do. <laughs> we look forward to welcoming Eva Airways as Boeing's newest member of the 787-10 Dreamliner launch customer group, says Boeing Commercial Airplanes President and Chief Executive Ray Connor. The Taiwanese carrier told Flight Global earlier this year that it was deciding between the uh, 787-10 and the Airbus A350-900 mm. for its medium to long haul needs. EVA already operates more than 37 Boeing aircraft, including 21 777-300ERs, says the airframer. With the airline's latest planned orders, the carrier will hold orders for 15 777-300ERs, 5 777-freighters, and 24 787-10s. The new order will post to Boeing's backlog once finalized, which is a huge backlog they've got, because I know they've got a huge backlog of aircraft. Really? Boeing and Airbus as well, with these new engine options for um, Airbus, the NEO, and obviously with the 737 MAX, which is going to be the replacement for the um, which uh, Ryanair are going to be buying, right? Uh, which will replace their their Dash Eights that they've their got, minute, yeah, which yeah. We, we've both flown on many yeah, times. Yeah, many times. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's bad. It's one of the places that I've. You know, you know, you have that bucket list of places you want to go in the world. Yeah. One of mine is um, the Boeing field at Seattle. Really. Where they make the uh, Boeing aircraft. Any specific reason? It's or just. just... Oh, they, yeah, if you ever Google. The place it's huge, man. It's such a mass. I mean, it's probably the same size as the village we're in now. Really, it's that big, <laughs> um, and it, you know, it's it's just huge. I'd yeah. love to go there. Uh, perhaps I'll have to talk the wife into going there next year. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm not sure she's still forgiving you for going to an air show and then a museum for the entire day while you're. I know we've still got the interviews <laughs> to play for that as well. Oh yeah, so that's that's true. That is true. Right, okay, on to the next Oh, this is a fun one. This is a fun is one. Is it? Yeah, mm. okay. Uh, and this is uh, on the telegraph.co.uk, so it's tele- Daily Telegraph here in the UK. <laughs> and the headline is 26 fun ways to pass the time on a 19-hour flight. Oh, what have you given me? So this kind of tails on from the story we had a bit <laughs> bits earlier with the 19-hour right. flight. So okay. things to do. Right, okay. Actually, I'm just going to pop the uh, picture up there. That's, uh, that's quite a... Uh... There we go. We can see the photo there. <laughs> Right, what, make make paper aeroplanes in an aeroplane. 
That'd be quite good. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, okay, on come it. on then. Let's, Sorry, let's have yes. So, uh, with Qantas and Singapore Airlines both planning to launch record-breaking 19-hour routes, uh, we've come up with unusual ways, this is the Telegraph, uh, unusual ways to kill the time at 35,000 feet. Uh, <laughs> okay, right. Um... <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't really know what to do with this. Uh, number one is look for opportunities to passenger shame. Um, oh, so they, so someone's actually shamed a passenger there look, by right by Instagramming a photo right. of um, <laughs> of the passenger's feet above a seat. That's a BA flight, actually. That's oh, the, is uh, it? Yeah, that's a BA logo on there, <laughs> which is that's quite amusing. What's, what's number two, Matt? Uh, okay, yeah, number two. Uh, this is not the easiest story to operate the cameras and do. Uh, oh, do me, do me to scroll down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So number two is uh, convince the cabin crew to sanction a toilet paper race. <laughs> um, um, so, right. Okay. Do you want to hit? Do you want to hit the play? I don't know if that uh, will work. Give it a try. Let's give it a try. Let's see if this will work. <laughs> this is so, like, we've got YouTube going on YouTube here. This this may not work. So as we can see here, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got a Southwest Airlines uh, aircraft here, and they are rolling toilet paper down the aisle. Yes. <laughs> um, in a race. As you do. As you do. Which is perfectly normal, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, yes. Anyway. On. Uh, we'll, we'll pause that. Yes. There we go. <laughs> on to the, on yeah, to the uh, next number, one. Number three is um, uh, uh, challenge your travelling partner to a paper aeroplane uh, making contest. Uh, persuade the pilot to judge it. Now, this one would be hard <laughs> in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Um, how are you going to persuade them to? Right? I, I don't know how you, you persuade. I mean, to make the paper airplane to be easy. Right, But I okay. don't think you're going to be able to get yeah, the pilots go, yeah, out of the... Go knock on the me, door. Excuse me. Yeah. Can you judge this <laughs> yeah, yeah, paper yeah. airplane? Yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, number four. Or see who can do the best accent from each country you fly <laughs> over. That sounds quite like good fun. I'd have a lot of fun with that. Number five. Try to write down every US state in 20 minutes they did this in an oh. episode of friends oh really oh it's hilarious okay yeah, no, yeah. Uh, then every uk county that would be quite a challenge uh, number six uh, then have a crack at these geographical riddles a name the six countries that begin and end with the same letter ex- excluding the letter a Ooh, that's a hard one don't know no okay don't and know. b which country has every single vowel Ooh, that's hard. It's going to be something like Afghanistan or something. Mind block here. Number seven, uh, an aeroplane drinking game. Oh, yes, definitely. I'll be well up for that. Uh, consume two fingers every time there's turbulence. Oh dear, no! My, my, the flight that I just, that I've just been on, I'd be really, really poorly. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, where are I? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I've lost the plot. Pretend here. number eight. Uh, number eight. Sorry, pretend you've got the same drinking problem as Ted Stryker from Airplane. Oh, this. No, this I don't is, know that one. Oh, this is. Have you not seen the film no, Airplane? <laughs> this is where he says I've got a drinking problem, and he, right. he gets the cup, and he sort of he sort of goes like that and puts it over himself. It's brilliant. I mean, I think everyone, everyone in the chat room has definitely seen the film Airplane. Apart from me, it would seem. Yeah. I, I, is, is that is that something I've got to go? I, you, I need to go and do some research. You seriously, Matt, have to go home yeah. and Google YouTube. It's probably on YouTube. Yeah, okay. Watch yeah. the film Airplane. Okay, right. You will, right okay. you will oh. wet your... Um, undergarments yes indeed yes number mm. nine read the world's longest book uh, Proust's A la Richard de Temps P 
per do, which totals uh, 1,267,069 <laughs> words. Or failing that, Tolstoy's War and Peace, which comes in at a rather disappointing 561,093. Oh, really? uh, number 10, see if you can get an upgrade. Try complaining. <laughs> See if you try complaining that you need more legroom or that you have a phobia of confined spaces. Uh, see our guide for other ideas. Uh, failing that, see how close you can get to the first class cabin before a steward challenges, challenges you. Do it as a group, taking in, in, taking it in turns to try. This is a this is a way to ensure that the flight gets you know landed at the next available airport, isn't it? Really, but uh, and then uh, extra points for managing to actually sneak in. Uh, number eleven. Oh, this one looks uh, slightly terrifying. Write a scathing review of your in-flight meal. It could well go viral on route. And judging mm, by that, that particular nice. that that meal there looks pretty horrific. I can't see what airline that is. Um, yeah, they've probably been very careful one. about how they yeah. uh, how they make it sort of uh, known, don't they? And then uh, number twelve, watch a whole series of twenty four. Wow! Uh, once you've removed the fifteen minutes of ads, the entire series actually lasts around seventeen hours. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Thirteen. Organise a pub quiz with other oh, people brilliant. on board. That would be quite good. For That's me. for you. Geeky aviation questions obviously are a must. Fourteen. Get a willing stewardess to kick off a game of charades. Snakes on a plane is mandatory, of course. Uh, <laughs> number fifteen. Listen to the world's longest album four times. That would be Cardiff outfit. Quiet. Maradour's a one hundred and eleven track four and a half hour debut album. That wow. Sounds, I've never even heard of those. Uh, I wonder what they are. 16, flying in business class. See no. how many yoga poses you can do <laughs> on a flat bed. People might look uh, at you a bit strangely if you do yeah. that. 17, uh, Temple Run, uh, or one of the other most popular iOS games of all time. Oh, I see you play something on your phone. Right? Yeah. If you can make your iPhone battery last 19 hours, you're doing well. You're doing incredibly well. Mm. Uh, 18, try to start a Mexican wave. That would be quite a giggle. Uh, 19 is listen to the serial podcast. What's that? Will, Don't know. It's not our least, podcast. I was going to say, listen to the listen to the serial podcast. It will fill at least half of your journey. Uh, live tweet in a couple's mid-air row. You'll need in-flight Wi-Fi for this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number twenty-one. Watch the most inappropriate film you can find. Quanta showed um, Flight, starring Denzel Washington as an alcoholic pilot last year. What could you possibly unearth? Really? Yeah. <laughs> that seems a bit of a bizarre one, doesn't it? Uh, uh, number 22 try uh, try out your knee defender but desist before it causes a scene oh knee defender what's a knee defender that that was a huge story I think it was last year or yeah. earlier this year the knee defender you know when you're on a flight and you've got um, someone in front of you and they recline their seat oh back, yes yeah yeah and they, there's a the device you can buy on Amazon or oh, any site, any site um, that you can put it underneath their back of their seat and mm. it, it stops them from reclining their really? seat and there was a, <laughs> oh, there was a no. story there was a story um, early this year, or last year, I think it was, and um, a woman was very upset by this. I can and there, there was a, 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 a scuffle right. broke a, out a on board. Kerfuffle. Aircraft, a kerfuffle. You, yeah, a kerfuffle in, yeah. in the yeah. aisles. Yes. Oh, dear, 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 dear. And uh, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, 23. Uh, take turns to quote classic lines from Airplane, which will be no good for me because I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, don't call me Shirley. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, no, I have heard it. that one. I yeah. have heard that one. So that's obviously come out of the thing. And that, yes, I remember I, I had lasagna. Lasagna. 
Yeah. That was, it was one of the lines on it, because the pilots get ill, and it, I think it's because he ate the fish or right. something. You've got to watch okay. the film. Oh, In right, fact, okay. I am going to have to um, um, buy this, I think, on, uh, on Blu-ray. You? Right, yeah. uh, uh, make, me, make yeah. me watch it. Yes, okay. And number 14, uh, number 24, sorry, this looks really quite nice. Um, if you could just scroll up for me there, please, yep, Clark. I will do uh, that. And I'll put, I'll, I'll put it on here. Number 24 is... Turn your sickness bag into a piece of Wow, art. look at that. Isn't Someone's that actually took the time to draw a picture on a sickness I, bag. I like if you look at underneath the Qantas and they've logo. Signed they've actually it. signed it at the bottom. I actually <laughs> quite like that. <laughs> oh, dear. Number oh. 25. Pretend you're on a seven-hour rail trip from Oslo to Bergen, courtesy of BA. Um, I'm not sure how that works. 26. Make paper hats out of the in-flight magazine and then launch your own catwalk fashion show down the aisle. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Um, slightly bonkers suggestions there, really. I mean, um, if you can make any of, if you can actually do any of those without making the plane land, I have, um, quite a bit earlier than it should do. I was actually uh, going to say, if, if, if any of our, if any of our listeners try any of those, yes, yeah, yeah. and they get removed from a flight, yeah, yeah. Um, we we are not responsible. We're not responsible. No, 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 no. no, no, no we, no, we, we have a disclaimer. Have, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, so next, yes. uh, next yes. news story. Um, <laughs> breaking travel news website. This one and the headline: British Airways launches long haul services from Terminal Three at uh, Heathrow. Uh, BA will be offering a warm welcome to even more customers in the new look Heathrow Terminal Three. I've not been there. I expect no. you have. I dropped off and picked up. Yeah. With, uh, I haven't been in there. I've just sort of, you oh, know, you've, the, you've yeah, seen it though. Yeah, the multi-story yeah. car park outside looks lovely, and it's big enough to get a coach around. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so a new check-in area has been created for customers during the last few months, including a dedicated area for premium customers to use. The new additions to British Airways Terminal Three schedule will include flights to Miami, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Denver, Vancouver, Cape Town, Accra, wherever that is, and Nairobi. The move uh, of these long-haul flights, which were previously based in Terminal 5, is the last part of British Airways uh, consolidation into two terminals at Heathrow, following the closure of Terminal 1 in June 2015. The extra flights in Heathrow Terminal 3 will mean it will handle a similar number of British Airways customers each day as the airline's operations at uh, Gatwick Airport. Ian Howick, director of Heathrow for British Airways, said that we have invested in new facilities at Terminal 3 and our customer service teams are really looking forward to giving several thousand more customers a warm welcome every day. The airport has also enhanced its baggage system, which will ensure a smoother and faster transfer of bags between flights in Terminal 3 and 5. Having flights to more than 20 destinations in Terminal 3 means we can offer better connections to many of our One World partners who are also based within the terminal. From late October, one of the two daily departures to Miami will be operated by an Airbus A380. British Airways currently operates approximately 700 flights a day at Heathrow and carries more than 110,000 passengers uh, to and from the airport on busy days. Once long-haul f- uh, flights move, uh, the moves are completed, uh, Terminal 5 will be home to 115 destinations and Terminal 3 will serve 21 British Airways destinations. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. So, they're, so they're kind of like piling everything into one, to, mm. into two terminals, I yeah. would say, uh, BA. Yeah, it's there in Terminal 5 as well, aren't they? Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I've, I mean, I've flown from Heathrow a few times. It is a huge airport, I will say. Yeah. But um, do you know what? I've, I, I have to say I've never flown, and I've said this before on a show, I haven't flown with BA. You've never flown with BA? No. No, I, I mean, I, I haven't, but 
character. I don't know why. I just but no, I, I do as little flying as humanly possible. <laughs> the oh, you can stop rolling your eyes at the me. The listeners now. <laughs> were shocked to hear that you. Don't, oh, were they? You, yeah, so that you oh, didn't turn oh, like okay. flying. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he's he's lying. He just he's, he has to say that as part of his cover. No, it's not. His, um... <laughs> I just I, I honestly on on the way back because as uh, as we left um, Menorca uh, and you go up and just for a little while, just as you get up to a certain but for probably a good sort of like five thousand feet or whatever, it was really really bouncy, mm, yeah. turbulent. Just does doesn't really cover it. I, I've never been so terrified in my entire life. I didn't like it. Yeah, you'll be all I don't right. like it. It really scares me. You wait till I take you up my Cessna 150. Although, Matty... Ironically, I'd be all right about that. Well, Matty Fab yeah, yeah, has yeah. said that he's going to come over and see <gasps> us yes, here. Yes, he must. Yes. Uh, at if some could, point. If you could make it a Friday, you could join in the show. He could do, yeah. Come and join us Fly in the studio. The show. Yeah. Um, I did say to Matt that I would cover his landing fees and parking fees at the oh, airfield. that's very um, good. You, you have to now, because you've said I it know, on air. Yeah. I've said it on air. <laughs> and I'll pick him up as well. Fantastic. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll pick him up in the coach. Yeah. yeah actually, are. Matt's Matt's just put here, is Matt looking forward to you taking him for a ride in your plane when you get your license, Carlos? No. My reply to that, <laughs> my, my reply to that is that uh, as long as Matt is still um, working at that point, because he may be retired then. Right, don't. Be that, that, that far away. <laughs> it take you that long. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, anyway, on, last to, story. Yeah, on to the last story. This is on BreakingTravelNews.com again. And the headline is Om, Om, Oman. 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 Oh, I was right, was I? I've flown with Oman. Oman. Yeah. Oman. Oman Air welcomes first Boeing Dreamliner to the fleet. Boeing and uh, Oman Air today celebrated the delivery of the airline's first Boeing 787 Dreamliner. The airline ordered uh, 6787-8s in November 2011 as part of its expansion plans. We are delighted to receive our first Dreamliner, which reminds me, actually, we have an email that we need to, to find out. Do you remember where I asked a question? About how long it takes. Yes, we had from, an email from Matty Fab. We did. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. That is. Yeah, yeah so we'll get you, those up. You, you hoik that out, and yeah. we'll, we'll follow that after this story. Oh, okay. I'll get yeah, those. Now. Okay. Uh, the airline ordered six seven eight seven nine in November twenty eleven as part of its expansion plans. We are delighted to receive our first Dreamliner, which combined with Oman Air's uh, award winning service will provide an excellent travel experience for our customers. To an Oman Air spokesman, our decision to invest in this game changing airplane underlines our confidence in the seven eight seven and the value it will add in terms of reliability, operational efficiency and comfort. Uh, the Boeing 787 Dreamliner is an all-new, super-efficient family of commercial airplanes that uh, brings big jet ranges and speed to the middle of the market. In response to airlines' overwhelming preference, Boeing designed the 787 family with superior efficiency, which allows airlines to, to profit, profitably open new routes to fly people directly where they'd like to go in exceptional comfort. Since entering service in 2011, the 787 family has opened more than 50 new non-stop routes around the world. Oman Air has announced that it will deploy its first Dreamliner on services to Saudi Arabia and Europe. We're proud to have the Oman Air join our growing base of 787 customers in the Middle East and around the world, said Boeing Commercial Airplanes President Ray Connor. Our partnership with Oman Air dates back almost 15 years, during which time the airline has been operating the 737 family. We're delighted to help introduce Boeing's twin-aisle airplanes into its growing fleet. Boeing currently has eight 787 customers in the Middle East, with a total of 175 Dreamliners ordered and 140 in backlog. Boeing has also been contracted by Oman Air 
for a suite of services to support the upcoming entry into service of its 787 Dreamliners and to ensure ongoing efficiency and cost savings for its fleet. Ooh, well done, them. I'm just um, having issues with the laptop here at the moment. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. okay. You might be able to help me out with this when we... Okay. Uh, when we when we have Pip's segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, Bad I, news. We, we have got some email feedback from Matty Fab. Yes, but once, okay. uh, once I get this uh, laptop sorted, it's okay. having a rather it's, it's, weird it's, it's, issue it's, okay. right now. Fair enough. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, that is the end of the commercial segment. Yes. Um, so we're just going to have uh, a very quick break, and uh, we'll be back after these messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com And we're back after that short break. We are. Yes, we are. So we've got cups of tea. We've we uh, we've had a chat with uh, the various people in the chat room. We've, uh, there's uh, lots of people in there. Good. That's mm. a lot. I'd like to see that one. Uh, Mr. Warner is con- con- complaining about the size of your tea, by the way. Mr. Warner is complaining about the size of my tea. Yes, what's, yes. What's not, wrong with my not, tea? Not, not a big enough mug. No, oh, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> oh, dear. Never so we have got some military news to bring you, and uh, we've also got um, the a couple of the um, interview, or not interview, we, we, well, one interview, and a yes. short uh, little piece that me and Matt done at uh, React, sorry, that's me, I'm just loading up virtual DJ, um, uh, that we took at the Seething Air Show yes. uh, this year, and uh, we've got those as well to pop in, mm-hmm. along with Pip's segment, yes. uh, which is cool, we've got that to put in. Um, so we are going to do our, hold on, <laughs> I'm just trying to do a segment <laughs> inter- intro here. <laughs> so we're going to start with the military news. Yes. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes, I'm verging on fabulous. Let's go. So kicking off the first uh, news story in the military segment this week and Flight Global's site, the headline UK Puma crash kills five in Kabul, a story that happened earlier this week and obviously that was um, the sad crash of course of the uh, Puma. Um, uh, The Royal Air Force operated Airbus helicopters Puma HC2 uh, transport helicopter crashed in Afghanistan on the 11th of uh, October killing five of the ten personnel on board the upgraded type. Announcing the loss uh, of uh, two RAF personnel on the 11th of October, the Ministry of Defence said the deaths occurred in Kabul following an incident involving a UK Puma Mark II helicopter. An investigation has been launched and confirms the crash was an accident and not the result of insurgent activity. UK operations of the Puma HC2 in Afghanistan are being conducted under the auspicious uh, auspicious, auspicious of the NATO train. 
advise and assist mission in the country, which also is known as the Resolute Support. Flight Global's uh, Fleet's Analyzer database records the RAF as having uh, had 22 Puma HC2s in active use before the accident, assigned to the services uh, 33 and 230 squadrons at Benson in Oxfordshire. 24 of the rotorcraft are recently upgraded ones with features including uh, digital cockpits and more powerful Turbomeca Makila 1A1 engines. The later are intended to boost performance in hot and high conditions such as those encountered in Afghanistan. Very sad news indeed, mm. uh, obviously, um, of this, especially, you know, this has happened in a, in a war zone, but it yeah. wasn't actually attributed to anything um, to do with the, the, you know, the, the conflict. Yeah. Um, I did read a report um, a few days uh, after this incident happened, that it possibly could have been the tail rotor mm. um, striking a cable from a, a sort of a, bl- a tethered balloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that uh, whether they followed anything on for that, I don't know. Yeah. But it's still sad news anyway. Yeah, yeah it's it very is. Sad. Yeah, actually, uh, and again, uh, uh, Mr. Warner has again said uh, quite rightly, there's been too many fatal crashes this year. It has to be said. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's been it's been a really really just strange year. For, for kind of everything aviation, not just with the air shows, but you know, there's been a lot of GA um, mm. accidents and stuff this year. It's it's sad, really. You know, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what uh, 2016 uh, brings us. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, well, hopefully, better news than, than than what we've been having this year. Hello, mm. right. you're right there. <laughs> so moving on to uh, yeah. Next now story. before we move on to the next story, I'm oh. just going to very quickly say hello to my best friend Geordie. Oh, Geordie. James Watson, as as is. And him, is, he, and, is he watching? Him and Jay are currently watching. Oh, they're yeah, watching? They're actually watching oh, wow. as we speak. So, uh, it's, should have uh, had a shave. You should have had a shave. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You've made no effort. So I suppose I'd better uh, just uh, put my camera on and say hello to Geordie and Jay, who are who are watching, uh, I think. And actually, we need to talk to him, by the way, because he, he's recently come back from Las Vegas. Oh, has he? Don't ask me which airline he flew with. Okay. It might even be one we, we want we want to know all about. So we're actually, if, if you are listening, Geordie, I want to know by the time I've read this story, please, which airline you flew with when you went to Vegas. Because I think he went out there on a stag do. As you do. Really? Yeah, I know. Terrifying, isn't it? Anyway, uh, yes, the next story. This is on Flight Global, and the headline is Boeing to fly new CH-47 Chinook Block 2 rotor blades in 2016. Boeing's development of an advanced blade for the tandem rotor CH-47 Chinook is moving ahead, with the first blade about to finish this week, ahead of flight trials in 2016. The new blade design has been in development for several years and will give the Chinook 900 kilogram, or that's 2,000 pounds, of additional lift, Boeing says. The blade is a significant component of the US Army's Chinook Block 2, which will enter production in 2020. Uh, The next Chinook uh, includes several undisclosed design enhancements, but some known items are the improved rotor blade and driven train, plus a reduction in separate fuel cells from 6 to 2. Boeing and USA program officials say that the new rotor blade is backward compatible to the current production model, the CH-47F, although the Army wants to deliver it in uh, one unified Block 2 renew or manufacture effort to reduce touch labour. Uh, next, uh, next year it will fly, says the Army program manager, for cargo helicopters, uh, that's Colonel Rob Barry. The strategy is for for it to be the first, for the first one to be flown in Block 2. It's a fallback too because uh, after after we qualify it on Block 2, we will work out what ex- to what extent it goes onto the F model. Um, 
Block 2 aims to keep the 50-year-old type in operation through to 2060, the Army says, and an older model will start to be replaced once production scales up beginning in 2021. According to Barry, the Army is wholly committed to Block 2, which is not yet a programme of record, and a request for proposals uh, release decision uh, is expected in early calendar year 2016. He expects a four-year engineering and manufacturing development phase with a milestone B development decision due uh, the second quarter of the fiscal year 2017. We're trying to buy back some performance, mainly payload, Barry says. The uh, Army is also trying to converge some of the differences between the Army CH-47F and the US Special Operations Command G model to reduce support costs. Stephen Parker, Boeing's Vice President of Cargo Helicopters and Chinook Program Chief, says the company will deliver 57 aircraft this year and the production of the F models for recent customers, including the United Arab Emirates and Turkey, are heading down the production line in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The type, the typical lead time for a foreign military sale is around about 36 months. Parker says the Special Operational Command's uh, final MG-47G has been delivered and the final British CH-47 Mark VI will also deliver before the year's end. Boeing recently signed India as its 19th Chinook customer and Parker expects even more new CH-47 customers will sign up over the next 12 months. The Army's last CH-47F will um, order will be placed in 2017 as part of the multi-year two, uh, two contract and there are currently no plans for another uh, multi-year until Block 2 enters production. That's not the easiest story to read in the world. Thanks for that, Carl. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> just just on, on that story, though, the mm. Chinook, you know, they're, they're intended on making this, this airframe last for, for, for a long while. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, you know they're, they're making improvements to the uh, to the airframe, to the, you know, obviously the, the blades and rotor blades. They'll have to keep this helicopter going for, for many years to come, which mm, is absolutely. really awesome. Yes, uh, British Airways cattle class. No need for a shave. He always looked like that at work. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Always on, only the, the only the best comments. Really, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice. It doesn't really matter where we look. Whether we look on WhatsApp, whether we look on the chat room, yeah, we're all rece- we're all receiving abuse, aren't we? It's uh, it's only fair. Hi, chat room guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next story on Flight Global. Yeah. And the headline: Polish F-16 to join Israel exercise. <laughs> Uh, a deployment of some of the Polish Air Force's Lockheed Air Martin F-16s to Israel bases as part of the forthcoming Blue Flag exercise mm-hmm. will allow the service to evaluate some of Israel, uh, some of the Israeli-made systems that are on its shopping list. Several F-16s from the 31st Tactical Air Base in Krezini will soon be flown to Israel to participate in the Blue Flag exercise, along with the host nation and a number of other air forces as well. The exercise will allow Polish pilots to, uh, and technical experts to evaluate uh, Israeli-developed systems being used by its air force, sources indicate. Warsaw is in the process of expanding its military capabilities and in recent months has allocated funding to acquire new equipment, including unmanned air vehicles and various payloads. Over the last few years, the Israeli Air Force has increased its international cooperation, which included uh, concluding, uh, conducting joint exercises with its Greek and Romanian counterparts. In 2012, the Polish Air Force also participated in a similar exercise in Israel. 
Um, <clears throat> if Matt can put the uh, photo on there, yeah. uh, you've got uh, the Israeli and Polish Air Force F-16s there. Mm. Um, the Israeli Air Force F-16 in the, um, the, the front of the picture there. Yeah. In, is, in the uh, multicolors, in some in some quite uh, good desert colours there. Mm. If you look at the desert behind it, blend, yeah. blends in blends rather really well, well yeah. uh, with that. Now I saw one of these at the air show at Malta, the mm. Belgium Air Force F sixteen display, solar display team. And that, yeah. that was awesome seeing those yeah. uh, in uh, in flight. So last story on, yeah, certainly that is on the Royal Air Force, and the headline is. Um, well, it's not really a headline. It says, Tornado, Tornadoes fly over North Yorkshire skies again. Um, a German Air Force squadron uh, operating out of RAF Leeming is using a multinational exercise to test the operational capability of its Tornado fast jet pilots. Uh, Tactical Air Force Wing 51 uh, Immelmam. I can't pronounce that one. Thanks for that again. Uh, named in honour of the World War, World War One uh, gunman, uh, German flying, flying ace uh, Max Immelmann, uh, is deployed to North Yorkshire as part of an exercise joint warrior, a major NATO exercise in the UK, which finished finished on the 15th of October. Joint Warrior is one of the largest tri-service and multinational exercises of its kind in Europe, providing high-quality coordinated training at the tactical level for all three UK armed services and numerous units from invited allied nations. It has proven to be the perfect opportunity for the German aircrew to be assessed on their full operational capability following a reorganisation of the German Air Force in which the role of Tactical Air Force Wing 51 became Tactical, tact, tactical Reconnaissance. Lieutenant Colonel Christian Leinemann, uh, commanding officer, said, uh, we have mainly been working with the RAF Spade, 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 Spade Adam. I think it's RAF Spade Adam in uh, the suppression of surface-to-air missiles. We have also worked with forward air controllers for s from several nations and done some low-level flying. Joint Warrior has proven to be a timely opportunity for the squadron's aircrew to train in a realistic multinational environment. Lieutenant Colonel Lienemann said all of the aircrew are going through their tactical evaluations, so this suits us very, very well. It has been quite a challenge for some of the younger guys. We have, we, we're all working to NATO standards, and aircrow need to speak English to a certain level, which makes it much easier to exchange information. The German uh, contingent at RAF Leeming is sizable, with 139 aircrew, engineers and support personnel deployed to enable smooth running over the two-week period. The squadron has been set up it has set up its own coffee shop to ensure a warm drink and food are available to those working away from the dining facilities or through mealtimes. Lieutenant Colonel Lienemann said uh, we did a site survey a few months in advance to find out what we would need. We are actually all located much closer together here than we would be at home, uh, which is good for exchanging information and understanding roles. Tactical Air Force Wing 51 Immelman uh, deploys on exercises several times a year and Joint Warrior has proven very successful so far. Lieutenant Colonel Lineman said it's very easy for us to come to the UK because everyone is very professional. Well, that's nice to hear. Uh, the exercise control staff had prepared everything very well so we had a full timetable 
of flying and good access and a good exchange of information. RAF Leeming Station Commander Group Captain David Bradshaw said it's always a great pleasure to welcome international visitors to RAF Leeming, particularly our long-term allies from the German Air Force with whom we train on a regular basis. RAF Leeming is an excellent location from which to launch exercise joint warrior missions with easy access to high-quality training areas such as the RAF Spade, Spade Adam Electronic Warfare Range in Cumbria and support available from 100 Squadron, our resident Hawk ag- aggressor unit. Mm. The simultaneous detachment of RAF Typhoons to Leeming has made for a very busy two-week period, and I would like to thank the local community for their continued understanding and support. Yes, it must be quite noisy if they're doing an exercise like that. Especially with the fast jets. Yeah, noisy, I bet. Yeah, very they, don't, noisy. They, don't, they don't hang about. <laughs> so it's time then on the show that we introduce uh, our other... Uh, a co-host of the show for his segment uh, for this week so we're going to turn things over to the legend that is Pilot Pip and now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe it's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip hey everyone it's Pip here with another segment and just revisiting something we looked at a few months ago I remember I told you about how I uh, got my commercial license and how I first got into aviation. So I thought I'd regale you with another few stories today and and take a quick look at pilot recruitment and pilot interviews. What happens when we turn up for an interview at an airline? Now, I've been to a few interviews and selection processes over the years, and it's interesting. Every airline's a little bit different. They've all got their own ideas about what it is they're looking for in a pilot and how they want to interview and and test potential pilots and this ranges from something as simple as a very short interview to uh, much more complex stages that take many days to complete with aptitude tests and interviews and simulator rides and all this kinds of stuff and everything in between and what you as a pilot need to be able to turn up and present yourself for an interview in terms of what qualifications and hours you need again that depends very much from airline to airline and from country to country and regulatory authority. So, for instance, uh, here in Europe, technically you can turn up and be employed by an airline with as little as around 180, 200 hours, something like that. There are various different schemes. The multi-pilot license is something I'm not too familiar with, but this is another scheme where you can um, gain employment with very few hours, actually. For Europe, the bare minimum you need is something we call a frozen ATPL, which basically means your commercial pilot's license with an instrument rating and you've passed the 14 uh, ATPL exams. You don't actually get a full ATPL license until you've got 1,500 hours, which includes a whole raft of things like 500 hours multi-crew, 100 hours night, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But technically, you can just have that frozen ATPL. Whereas in other places like the States, there's a very different system altogether. And over there, again, they've got some variations, but generally you need about 1,500 hours before you can even start a job with an airline. So you need to find somewhere to build those 1,500 hours. And that's a real cultural difference in the aviation landscape, if you like, between Europe and the States. Over there, they've got a a much uh, wider-ranging infrastructure for building hours with air taxi operators and um, uh, instructing and, and all this kind of stuff. And over here, we, we do have that uh, side of the business as well, but it's, it's really not as widespread or as encompassing as it is over in the States. 
Uh, for instance, over here in Europe, we really don't have the, the air taxi market that they do over there. Uh, that has been largely made extinct by the, the low-cost movement, Ryanair and EasyJet and, and the like. So if, uh, if you needed to build 1,500 hours over here, then it's pretty difficult. One of the only options open to you are things like uh, instructing will be one of the main routes, maybe parachute dropping, glider towing. Uh, but that takes a long time to build up 1,500 hours doing that sort of stuff. But in any case, let's pretend you've sent out your CVs and you've made all your phone calls and you've eventually you've, your tickets come in, your number's been called, and you get an interview for a, an airline job. Now, as I say, this can and does vary wildly. Now, there are some airlines out there, not many, unfortunately, who will just put you through a basic interview with the chief pilot. They'll assume that you've come so far in your aviation career that you must have some sort of ability. You know, if you've already built 1,500, 2,000 hours, then it's, uh, it's unlikely you're going to be uh, one of the doves. And I remember I had one such interview once. In fact, this was, it would have been my first jet job had it come to fruition. It was with a very small company based out of Luton. And they were just doing little charters. They had two aircraft, an Embraer 145, I think it was, and a CRJ 200. And I'd been doing the survey work for a couple of years. I was very happy there, but it was time to move on. So I went down to Luton and had a very odd 20-minute interview with their, their chief pilot stroke director stroke human resources guy. And it was a very quick 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes interview, just a general chat about me and, and what I've been up to and, you know, the kinds of things I like to do in my background. And then at the end of it, I said to him, well, do you want to do some kind of simulator assessment or some kind of aptitude tests? And he said, well, no, not really. If you've got 1,500 hours, which is roughly what I had at the time, he said, then I'm going to assume that you're not a wally and you know what you're doing. Um, at least you've got the basics as far as piloting an aeroplane is concerned. And I said, oh, well, OK, that's great. I was a little bit surprised. And following that, he, he offered uh, me a job there. Unfortunately, it never came to bear. After several weeks turned into several months of me phoning them, and they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah we're just uh, getting your type rating dates on the CRJ over in Canada. So as soon as the dates come through, we'll let you know. OK, OK, I said. And of course, I told everyone by this point. And then one day I happened to read on a, a pilot website somewhere that that particular company had gone out of business. So I learned a valuable lesson there. Don't uh, don't count your chickens until the eggs have hatched or, or something like that. And that was an example of a very basic selection process. And now there are not many airlines who do that anymore, which in a way is a shame uh, since HR departments, you know, when did HR become human resources instead of personnel? But since HR have got involved, it's all become very much more complicated. And you get our silly questions like, name a time when you fail to exceed your customers' expectations or, you know, daft questions like that. So it's generally a little bit more involved now. So let's take the other end of the spectrum, which, uh, as I understand it, would be representative of that would be the British Airways selection uh, process. Now, they have a multi-stage process that takes many months to complete as well. You have to fill in an online application, so it gives all your details, all your breakdown of your flying hours, and also has an essay section where with three or four questions that you have to fill in with, I don't know what it is, 300 words or less or something like that. And they ask you these sorts of HR typical questions. You know, describe a, a time when you had to display exceptional leadership qualities or or describe a time when you had to deal with a conflict in a team. 
Now, personally, very personal opinion here, I don't really see what those sorts of questions, the answers you give, have, what bearing they have on your ability as a pilot. Certainly a very good exercise in creative writing, but beyond that, I'm not sure. But like I say, this is HR involvement, and it's all about HR these days. So you'd have uh, some, uh, a stage like that, some questions and an application, and then if you get through that, you'll be called forward for some aptitude tests. And this is very similar to the military aptitude test. You go down and you'll do a whole bunch of maths tests of uh, verbal communication tests, written tests, and some sort of piloty hand-eye coordination tests. Uh, you know, the sort of thing. An example would be you've got to fly the, the flight director. That's taking up one part of your brain. At the same time, you've got a a little voice going on in the headphones that's counting numbers backwards in a regular sequence. So it's counting backwards in twos or fives or something. And every time there's a discrepancy, every time it goes from a, a two to five or a three to a four or something, you've got to press a button whilst the whole time flying this flight director. And then at the same time, you've little shapes are appearing next to the flight director and you've got to keep your eye out for a particular one, say a, a red triangle or a blue square. And every time the shape you're looking for comes up, you've got to press another button. So it's kind of testing your uh, multi-dimensional capacity. So that's all good fun. I've done those a few times with various uh, processes, mostly the military. And then if you get through that, then you go through to another stage, which is all about personal qualities. So you, you do teamwork exercises, you get put into teams, and you have various logic puzzles to solve. And as a team, you're meant to come up with a, a suitable answer. Now, of course, it's not really the answer per se they're looking at, more how you interact with other people. And then on top of that, uh, that would probably be also the time you have the one-on-one the -on -one interview, or I say one-on-one, -on -one. it's you on your own in an interview room with a panel of maybe four or five people. So a couple of HR people, uh, maybe a cabin crew member as well, and a few pilots, and that can be quite a daunting experience. And then if you get through all that, some weeks later, you'll go back for the last stage, which will be a simulator assessment. So you go in, you'll be pre-briefed, you'll probably a few weeks in advance receive a little work booklet with some um, key speeds and power settings, just a few ideas on how to fly the particular aircraft. It could be anything, a 747 or an A320 or a King Air. But they're looking there to see, uh, finally, they're looking to see what sort of pilot you are, how you uh, fly the aeroplane, what your piloting skills are like. And then if you've managed to get through all that sort of stuff, then you might just be lucky enough to be offered a job. And that little description is based uh, on the British Airways recruitment process, as I understand it. And the one that I went through at SafeJets um, nine odd years ago was actually pretty similar to that, not quite as in-depth, but certainly was quite an ordeal. There was a, an application stage first, a written application, just uh, as I described, with various daft questions. And then there was a, we went down to the training centre and there was an interview with an interview board. And I remember there was the director of training was there, a cabin crew member, a pilot and someone else. And it was a, a kind of an odd experience. They asked you uh, some very technical questions. I remember they had a, a whiteboard up and they drew some uh, symbols, some weather symbols that you might find on a, a map. And they asked me to explain what the symbols were. Then they asked me some very technical questions about... Uh, flying ILS procedures and then at the same time they're asking some other questions some more you know describe a time type questions and again often these questions are it's not really about the answer you give but how you give the answer so I remember being asked what would you do if you suspected your your captain was drunk or you know what would you do if you turned up at work and you'd forgotten your license 
So there's, well, there's no real wrong or right answers there. There's a number of different things you could do. But as I say, it's not really about the answers. It's about how you give the answers and how, how you communicate. And then that was then followed by a simulator assessment, which probably lasted oh, about 45 minutes or so. Just some basic flying, some missed approaches, some holding procedures, some basic instrument flying. Actually, it wasn't too bad in, in comparison to some of the other simulator checks I've, I've done over the years. So, of course, that all went very well for me, and I was uh, offered a job uh, just a few days later. But I do remember one that, to this day, I'm still a little bit bummed out about. It was an interview for BMI Regional. They're still around, BMI Regional, Fly Embraer 145s. And I'd been up to Aberdeen, where their head office is, and I'd had an interview with them, and I'd done a technical exam, about a one-hour technical exam, which actually I did very well in, it turns out. I got a very high mark. So I was then invited to a simulator assessment at Manchester Airport on the Embraer simulator. But the sim slot they booked for me was at 2 a.m. in the morning. So I had to do a four-hour drive up to Manchester. Got there about midnight, I think. Left plenty of time. Had to hang around a couple of hours. And then a sim assessment at 2 a.m. in the morning. So I wasn't at my peak mental ability at that point. But still, I thought it all went fairly well given the circumstances. But uh, I had to wait a couple of weeks and it turned out that I don't know what they'd seen that they didn't like, but I wasn't offered the job following that. Which, uh, as I say, a little bit still annoyed at because I thought all in all it had gone reasonably well. But you can't win them all and things turned out pretty well in the end. Anyhow, as usual, I've rambled on for far longer than I intended. Um, So I'll leave it there, hand it back to the guys in the studio and catch up with you all again in another episode. Take care, everyone. We mentioned this a while ago. Obviously, we went uh, on the 6th of September 2015 to the wonderful Seeding Air Show. A uh, couple of interviews, uh, or sorry, uh, one, interview. One, one, yeah. one interview, one chat. Uh, the interview, uh, which we'll play uh, in just a moment, that was with the lovely Lauren Richardson. But first, a little segment introducing our day at the show. Well, a very good afternoon. We are here. It's Matt and Carlos, and we are here at the Seeding Air Show. It is Sunday the 5th of uh, September, and uh, we've just had a nice little interview, haven't we? Yeah, we uh, just managed to nab the guy on the PA system, which is <laughs> quite good. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was very, very tolerant, wasn't he? He sort of let us get away with all sorts of, uh, all sorts of uh, shameless show plugging, frankly. But uh, yes, uh, that's, uh, what have we got to look, after, look, what have we got to look forward to this afternoon, then? Uh, well, we've got Lauren Richardson, she's flying in later. She'll be doing a display. We've also got uh, fly pass from the Sally B, the B-17. And we've also got, uh, I think, the, the Trig display team, I think, are coming as well today. Plus, we've got lots of other uh, general GA aircraft flying in and around as Cessnas, as, uh, as a 1939 Cessna, actually uh, just um, parked, just literally across from where we're standing now. Um, there's also um, a couple of pit specials which are coming in later. We've had some gliders do a, a display, some powered gliders do a display today. Um, but no, loads of stuff to do and loads of military stuff here as well and some uh, vehicles and stuff. Yeah, that, that's, that's been my real passion actually. We had a lovely walk around there, uh, round past the old, what I call the old part of the uh, airfield where the old tower and everything is. And uh, yeah, there are some absolutely cracking military vehicles there. Um, mainly American, it has to be said. Uh, a couple of Canadian examples. But uh, yeah, really nice to, really nice to see. So uh, yeah, we're hopefully going to get some, some decent interviews very shortly. Uh, but I think it's time for a spot of lunch, don't you? 
Yep, definitely. We're now heading back along the flight line back to our respective uh, mothers and partners and wives and, and that. So we're going to uh, have some food because me and Matt have been, we've disappeared for the last hour and a half. Yes. They must be getting very worried, but probably used to it by now, let's be honest. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my wife's definitely used to it, yeah. <laughs> So uh, from me, Carlos, we're going to come back to you hopefully later with some interviews. We're going to try and grab Lauren when she's uh, back on the ground. And uh, from me, Carlos, uh, we'll see you later. Woohoo! Okay, so you join me and Matt at the Seething Air Show, the charity air day here at Seething. And uh, the sun's come out. It's definitely been uh, It's a lot better now. The sun's come out. And we have managed to grab... Uh, the gorgeous Lauren Richardson. So welcome on it's to the Plain Talking UK show. <laughs> Such a smoothie, Carlos. I know, I know, I know. So Lauren, and, uh, we've got you for a few minutes then. How's uh, the display season going for you this year? Yeah, it's going really well, actually. I've been very, very busy. I think I'm up to show 32 or 33 or something today. So yeah, it's really good. I'm off to off over to Cosby afterwards, sort of like another busy day. So yeah, it's all good. Oh, cool. So what have you got planned for the show here at Seething today? Um, pretty much a mixture of most of my uh, this year's standard stuff that I've been doing, which is all very, very different to last year, actually. There's a lot more um, dynamic, tumbly-type, spinning-type, tail-sliding-type talk rolling stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of fantastic corkscrew-type smoke trails that we're getting a lot of great pictures of this year. So, yeah, it's a bit more dynamic than my previous displays. Oh, awesome. So uh, how's the aircraft been performing in through, for you on the season this year? Because you've uh, you obviously had a big overhaul before the season started and a bit... Yeah, it needs another one. Um, it's, it's. It, I think basically it's done a lot of flying this year, um, and it's been very, very hard flying. And, and basically, aeroplanes do break; they wear out. They, they need TLC. It's, um, it's given me a few minor issues and niggles this year that have all been dealt with. But you know, any machine that you abuse the way I abuse this thing um, would do the same. So I'm looking forward to well, end of end of this month. We'll be doing a bit of a strip down and clean everything up and see if we can find anything that's broken. But it's, uh, overall, it's been incredible reliable as as ever and anything that has gone wrong has been easily fixable so yeah it's a fantastic machine it really is excellent what have you got planned for the rest of the seat how, how many more shows you got this year do you know that's a very good question i think it's about six or seven something like that you've had a really busy year this year lauren you, you must be absolutely knackered i, I think but yeah, yeah, bang on actually. Because the thing is, every weekend has been busy doing stuff here, there, and everywhere. So I haven't had a holiday. Um, I haven't had a holiday for several years actually. It's kind of I'm absolutely desperate to just go away for a week in the sun and sit and eat and drink and not worry about anything. But um, but yeah, no, it's been quite tiring. But it's been very, very rewarding actually. I've met some amazing people. I've been to some amazing places. I've seen some amazing stuff. I've gotten to sort of go and sit and experience and understand lots of amazing aeroplanes. And it's just been a brilliant year. Awesome. So apart from seething, obviously you're here at seething today, what's been your favourite air show this year you've attended? Ooh, that's a tough one. There have been so many nice ones this year. Um, hmm. It's hard to choose. It really is very hard to choose. There have been some really, really fantastic... Cosby's actually been quite good. I'm, I'm there again after I finished here. I was there yesterday. Um, just a really nice... Lit- well, it's a small kind of show, but it's all... Heavily, it's a big World War II reenactment thing, which is just the most amazing experience, wandering around the trenches and sort of experiencing being back in history. And this particular show, they've got a lot of warbirds sort of interacting with the with the reenactment event as well. So it's uh, it's quite something seeing seeing Spitfires dog chase, dog fighting and sort of strafing the tank battles and things. It's quite yeah. You don't feel like joining in? I would love to. It'd be <laughs> hilarious, but um, I wouldn't quite fit. Lacking lacking a few guns really, but. Um, 
But no, it's just been really nice. I, I quite like the small, intimate shows where you get to get quite close to the aeroplanes and you get to really sort of feel and see what's going on. And it's, it's just, you know, you, can, you can't beat the sound of a Merlin engine, in my opinion. Well, your engine sounds nice, Lauren. Yeah, but, you know, I, I would swap. And you've got smoke? Yeah, yeah, I'd still swap. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, when, when we had you on the show, uh, we were talking about uh, like your flight plans and that kind of thing. Now, obviously, today the the, the cloud cover has been very changeable um, with regard to when did you a- when did you actually make like the decision like of what what flight or is it still up in the air a bit as to what your your planned route or flight is going to be your display. Yeah, I have a couple of different options for different weather conditions. My my main sort of primary display only needs two thousand feet, and we've we've easily got that today. So as I was transiting over, it was it was very obvious that it was going to be it's going to be a full display day. Um, I have, I think, only twice had to wheel out the kind of low display, and once the flat display. With uh, you know, displaying in a six hundred foot cloud base really isn't very fun to be honest, and it's a bit bit dull and a bit boring. Lots of rolling and turning and rolling and turning, and how many different rolls can I? do in, in sort of like six minutes but um but no f- full display today um which should be good fun great well we, we we better let you get on lauren well thanks very much for giving us your time again today on the plane talking uk podcast me and matt wish you all the best with your display today i mean we don't need to wish you luck because you'll be fantastic anyway but uh no thanks for joining us and uh, all the best uh, for the rest of the season fantastic cheers guys thank you and we, had, we enjoyed those interviews very much. Oh, yeah, or the yeah. interview we done with yeah, Lauren. And she had uh, a, a really good uh, rest of the season. Mm. She uh, posted some stuff on Facebook yeah. uh, just recently um, saying that she'd uh, you know, had a really good se- She'd enjoyed herself yeah. this season. Had a few little uh, hiccups. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, she One thoroughly enjoyed herself. Seeding, it, it was, was yeah. Was yeah, she did. Have a but uh, we're not say to say too much about that because she's promised to come on and actually talk to us about yeah, it yeah. Um, when she comes on. But she had... She had uh, she had uh, a very good, uh, an incredible display. Yeah, she did. It yeah. really was yeah. an incredible display. It was a good air show. It was. Yeah, yeah it was all a great round. Show. It really, really was a real win. Um, so, in the next few episodes, we're going to um, hopefully yes. uh, we're going to bring you uh, uh, the interviews that I took at the Malta International Air Show. We've got seven of those to put through, mm. uh, so we'll probably span those out over sort of three yep. episodes. And Definitely. we've also got um, the interview that I took at the Malta Aviation Museum. Um, which was a two-hour uh, interview. We're going to split that up into three sections. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and so we'll bring those to you over the, over the coming weeks. Absolutely. Uh, we're also we're hoping to run a competition at Christmas time, um, like we do each year, and we're going to have a competition at Christmas time to, to win an awesome prize, um, possibly. Oh. Uh, I have got something, though, uh, which is good to give away as a prize. Um, Aviation related, obviously, of, of course, of uh, course, which is cool. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have details of that coming up in uh, later episodes. Mm. So that is where we are gonna bring a rather eventful episode eighty two to an end. Uh, <laughs> where can people find us? Hopefully, Matt. Splendid. Well, yes. Uh, if you want to look, go straight to the website where I still have to put your Malta f- uh, your Malta Air Show photos oh, yeah. up, which yeah. I haven't done do, but I will. Uh, done do. You know what I done Did do? Done. Is, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you go to www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk. Our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. If you wish to email the show directly, uh, you can do that also on uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com or why not subscribe to our YouTube t- yeah. channel. Go yeah. to YouTube, stick in Plain Talking UK into the search engine uh, and then if you um, subscribe to our page whenever 
we actually upload the new video, uh, you'll get a notification on your phone and all sorts. So oh, wow. it's, it's, it's cool. really quite, really, really very much the way forward. So for everyone who has joined us in the chat room this evening, thank you for bearing with us through the slight technical issues we have had this evening. M- M- Mr. Warner is asking, uh, uh, what is the prize? Is it your Cessna? That would be one hell of a prize. <laughs> Actually, you, you, uh, Matty Fab will know about this, but you, one of the Cessnas that, uh, that I currently um, fly, or did fly a lot, mm. is currently US uh, unserviceable, yeah. as it uh, had uh, rather a few instant, uh, uh, problems found with it uh, on its on its major check it just had oh dear. Um, corrosional corrosional Ooh. type um, issues Ooh. so that's off the run so uh, I'm back in Hotel Mike which is right. another Cessna 150 okay. um, right. so I'm in that now yeah. so at least it's familiar yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. when's your next lesson? Uh, next Friday awesome. next Friday at one o'clock okay yeah, that's good should be there. excellent so, so Thanks, for everyone, for joining us in the chat room. Uh, for all you guys who are in there, give you a wave there. Thanks ever so much for joining us. And wave in front of the camera. There we go. Hello. hello. <laughs> um, thanks ever so much for joining us this week again, guys. And um, you're all legends. And I'd just like, um, as well, just to say, um, on behalf of me and Matt, you know, we we you know put this show together each week, and it's a kind of labour of love for me. And it's it's been great to have Matt with me on the show. Since we, I brought him in um, oh, what, ages ago oh, now. Yeah. I can't remember when. It was a long while ago. It was in November, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was a long so while we're, ago. We're approaching um, the year that I joined. We'll, I have to, we'll have to find out when I first joined. I'll look back in the episodes. We'll, we'll need a... We'll need a, a and, it, and it is a lot. And I, I love doing the show each week for you guys. And um, and so does Matt. And, mm. you know, it is a labour of love. And we really do appreciate all the, um, you know, the support that you guys give us downloading the shows, obviously. It makes all the hard work worth it. It does, it? yeah. It's nice to know that uh, we do have people like that who enjoy listening to uh, to all the news and stuff that we bring you each week so <laughs> yeah on behalf of me and Matt and all us here thanks yeah. to everyone for um, much so, for, yeah. for listening to us that's uh, really much appreciated and don't forget to send us some voice feedback yes, we want to yeah. hear your voices yeah um, and uh, yeah no matter where you are in it in the world yeah. send us your voice feedback as a, an mp3 or, or in any any sort yeah. of file any format I can convert multiple formats it, it could yeah. come as a paper format and Matt would paper convert form- it into mp3 how would I do that Read it. You'd find a way. I would. You'd find a way. I'd have to do an impersonation of the person that's. No. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) On that note. On that note. (laughs) On that note. uh, Join us next week then for episode number eighty-three of the Plain Talking Talking UK UK podcast. And uh, we hope to have another live show for you next week. Keep an yeah. eye on the Facebook uh, page for the links to yeah. Facebook and Twitter. The they, get posted, yeah. they get posted live on show. there all the time. Yeah. So for me, Carlos, it is a I am hungry and I'm now going to mm. order a takeaway. Mm. Goodbye. Mm. And for me, I'm now about to go and have a, a curry with my best mate uh, up at the uh, curry house. You're, you've got, you're welcome to join us. Uh, uh, we've we've oh, got takeout. Oh, is oh, yeah. he takeout? But uh, yes. So and, anyway. and plus, Gemma's full of cold. Right. Yeah. Woman no, flu. Had, well, we wouldn't. We shouldn't really share. Woman that flu. No, indeed. Yes. Yeah. But that, that, that's actual flu. It's, it's <laughs> not our, our, our pathetic excuse of man flu. But uh, anyway, yes. Uh, that is yes. For me, it is goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>